I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, driving passion for sport and communities throughout Ireland and abroad. We may not be able to get in on the sporting action like we're used to, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their second year as official car partner of the GAA, Renault is offering a range of special offers on their new and used vehicles, exclusive to all GAA club members. So now you can take home the win right to your door. Check out Renault.ie forward slash GAA to find out more. A grain of rice, a grain of rice, it's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, Hello everyone, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined here today by the former Armagh footballer Oshin McConville. And by Kieran Sheehan, the Cork footballer who is currently out with a knee injury. And lads, we're in a place that looked almost impossible even just a couple of weeks ago. The National Football League has been successfully completed and we're on the eve of a, a truly historic All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. I think there are about a million places we could start this week, but where better, Kieran, than to say you called it absolutely right last week. You knew Conor McKenna from your time in Australia and... You said he'd be a star here, and here he is last weekend basically relegating Mayo. <laughs> yeah, look, he's, um, I know I mentioned it there last week, he's, uh, he's a unique character. Um, I, I think you kind of, people got a, an idea of his personality there. Uh, I think he was at the AIB launch, uh, the championships there during the week, got an idea of his personality. Um, a real outgoing guy, um, and he, he kind of showed that in the pitch last weekend, um, like, to be honest, I was only thinking there at the moment there's a, a transfer window on trade period going on in the AFL. And if there was one of them here at the moment, I think a lot of uh, a lot of counties would be putting their hands up for, for Conor McKenna. Um, he's, I suppose, the big thing, the, the couple of highlights, um, I think his, his kick passing clearly um, is, is the same as what it would have been, I'd say, if he was still playing um, over the last six years. Um, his composure in front of goal, the, first, the, the way he took his first goal there, um, you know, sell a bit of a dummy solo and just tucked it away into the corner. Um, but I think it's it's his overall awareness on the pitch has has surprised me a little bit um, in relation to getting into the right spots, making the right runs. It's been just so seamless for him to, to transition into the team. And but then again, as I mentioned last week, it's, it's certainly not something I'm surprised by. When you say he's a unique personality, would you would you just give us a little bit more on that? What do you mean, what do you mean by that? What, what I'd mean by it is, is basically he's someone that really, um, I suppose, nothing phases him. He's he's a case of just if something is tempting to knock him down, 
there's no way he's leaving it getting in the way. He's um he's the type of guy that would, you know, even the way you're talking to him, he's almost a hundred miles an hour. You know, he's um and you can see that in the way he plays almost for and and, and even his second goal uh, last weekend, he kind of just drove forward, kind of dropped the ball, got up and just kicked the ball into the net as if it was e- easy stuff for him. Like you know, he's just uh, but he's an outgoing guy. Great fun off the field. Um, we had we had plenty of, of gatherings over with with the, the Irish uh, crew that were out there in Melbourne at the time, and we'd have a bit of a kick of a of an O'Neill's ball from time to time as well. And um, as a who else to be there? Who else to be there with you? Uh, Kieran Byrne um, from Loud was there. Um, you'd have Ray Knellin, Dara Joyce, <coughs> uh, Ray Knellin, Westmead, Dara Joyce, Kilkenny, Connor Nash from Mead, um, Connor Glass from Derry. So. There was a nice crew um, there at the time and it was a kind of consistent crew that was there over a number of years. Now there's been a, another influx of, of players after coming in, but it was certainly a, a good band that we kept over there. And um, and certainly you could see by Connor that GA ne- never left his mind anyway. Uh, what, what's your view on the machine? <clears throat> it was interesting listening to the um, what, he, what he was doing the AB stuff because he said that uh, he spent... Uh, the last maybe three or four weeks playing with Wolf Tones over there. Um, I don't know what uh, Kieran knows anything about Wolf Tones, but that was set up by two uh, Armagh guys out there. Um, I was on my honeymoon uh, almost ten years ago now, um, and I ended up <laughs> I ended up playing in a tournament for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's some honeymoon, I think. <laughs> which which didn't which didn't go down great with horror indoors, but uh, it was at least you knew it was the same of things to come. Uh, got up well prepared for what was what was going to happen throughout the marriage, but um, <laughs> and so I, I I wondered really, you know, not so much the skills, but but you know, Kieran touched on it, just the attitude, and he seems to have a bit of a devil may care attitude, and uh, he, I think that's really helped him. Uh, he's not doesn't strike me as the sort of guy. I could be wrong. He doesn't strike me as the sort of guy who, who's going to overthink. Um, the whole thing of being back, he just looks as if he feels it, it's it's his first love, it's his first sport. He, he played, he picked up the ball. He, he doesn't uh, see like I'd say when people mention transition to him, he's probably thinking to himself, you know, what transition? Sure, you know, I played this sport all my life. I was only over there for four or five years, or you know, and. I suppose that the the thing that that has really struck me about him is that just how he's taken the baton and run with it, and like people are saying, ah, oh, he's he's the he's the leader of the forward line. He's different. Like, I don't think he he buys into any of that. I think he's just there to play a ball. Um, I think he's uh, he's also uh, he also strikes me as somebody who isn't going to be perturbed if he has a bit of a an off day, like. The first day I watched him against Donegal, he really struggled to get into the game for 45, 50 minutes. And yet he just he just kept digging on in there. And many's another player would say, listen, you know, this is going to take me a bit of time. But he wasn't willing to accept that. And I suppose that's the biggest, uh, they're the biggest plaudits that I could give him is that, you know, regardless of what was going on, regardless of the fact that maybe he wasn't getting away with himself for... 35 or 40 minutes that he just that he just dug in and finished the game well and he again he just picked up where he left off and 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 valuable fair the last day against uh against Mayo and and you, you say I know it might have been tongue in cheek that he essentially put Mayo to the sword but effectively it was him 
you know, everything that was happening was good. Even when Mayo sort of got the clampers on him a little bit, you know, it deflected away from all the players and likes of McCurry just picking up that score at the end and different things he got. So he takes a watching and I think that's exactly what... Uh, somebody just to spearhead that attack and that's exactly what, what Jerome need because they have been a bit lightweight in that department this past while. And next Sunday at half one, the big match of the weekend, the, the kicker match in the championship, Donegal against Tyrone. And when we were chatting last week, you were... You were fairly sure Donegal were going to win. Has he changed your mind? No, but I tell you what, he's he's put a he's 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 put another perspective on it. Um, and there's a there's so many things when you're thinking about this game. There's so many things you have to take into account. The first thing you have to take into account is you know how much did Donegal show the hand against Tyrone the first day? How much were Tyrone holding back? How important is uh, Peter Hart to um, to Tyrone in, the, in in situations like this? Um, how important is McKenna's improved performance? How much more important or what extra will the likes of Derek Canavan um, give them next week? Whether that be from the start or whether that be off the bench. But anybody who was in ba- well, anybody who was in Ballywood Fair, there wasn't too many in Ballywood Fair. <laughs> but any any anybody who is has seen the game in Ballywood Fair would realise that Donegal completely bossed the game. And as I touched on last week, the one thing that I came away from the game with was they completely bossed the game. And yes, they were still hanging on sort of towards the end of the game. You know, if Tyrone had to get a you know a goal or whatever. But I, I just think that. It hasn't changed my mind, but I do think that it's gonna. It gives the game that little bit more spice now, and there's a lot more intrigue about the game. And the final thing about about all of that is that when Donegal have really needed to win in the last two years, Bally Buffet against uh, in Bally Buffet against Tyrone, the last game of the Super Eights to qualify, the game in the in the pocket, four points up, five minutes left, Tyrone won before. Okay. Um, last year they needed to go down to Mayo and they needed to win and they failed to do that. That is, <clears throat> regardless of what they say, that is in their psyche and uh, and that is something they will be very aware of. So uh, that's something that they need to change but I just think even th- them going down to Kerry with, with a second-rate team um, or, or a second team or making nine or ten changes, they still got game time in the likes of Langan and that who I expect to play this weekend. So, um, they've got a hell of a lot of options. Uh, you know, I said last week about how impressed I was with Caelan McGonagall in the middle of the field. There's so many options around that area now. So um, I still think, you know, Donegal edge it for me. Kieran, Yeah, um, I'd actually, <clears throat> I do think, and, and partly because of the Conor, Conor McKenna effect, um, I do think Tyrone, if they get things right, that they can edge this out. Um I think they 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 played just from from my own viewing. I thought they played two very different game styles against Donegal versus um, Mayo last weekend. Um, I think a good balance between the two is what's going to be what they're chasing against Donegal. Um, I feel like if they get their matchups right, um, I think for example, I thought Ronan McNamee done quite well. Aidan O'Shea inside. Um, if Murphy's inside, you know, I'd imagine he'd be picking him up. 
Um, if he if he kind of quietens him to a certain extent when, when he's inside, I think Kieran McGeary, uh, his energy that he's brought the last couple of weeks, I think will be crucial to Tyrone. Um, I also think, look, as as Oshin mentioned there, the likes of McCurry and uh, Peter Hart, and then you've um, obviously Matty Donnelly, players like this that are you know top class players. Um, I think if they if they get it right on the day, which I think they're capable of doing. Um, I think they they might be able to take on Donegal here and, and get the win. Kickouts in Bally Buffet, Oshin kickouts were were there were there were a huge divide between Donegal and and Tyrone, and that Donegal got theirs away and got theirs away successfully in a lot of different ways, and Tyrone struggled, especially when they kicked it long, and Tyrone the, the, a lot of breaks were 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 picked up by Donegal out around the middle of the field against Mayo. The kickout worked much better for Tyrone when they went over the top, and you see your man Conor McKenna, Kieran took a whole load of balls. It's it's that battle again about the kickout is probably going to be fundamental next next Sunday. No, I agree with that, and I think any time uh, Morgan went long against Donegal, Donegal invariably won ninety nine percent of those. Um, Donegal set up in a different way, obviously, than Mayo uh, for kickouts. Uh, they're very aware of all of that stuff. Um, and they're very aware of that of that long kickout. It's simple. Their their halfback line takes a, takes a chance um, and steps in front. As soon as that ball goes over the midfielders' heads, two of them are back in, just playing, just in the hole between the that the half backs have left on the full back line, and uh, that gives them the opportunity to sweep a lot of stuff up. It's not as easy um, to go over the top against Donegal as it is against Mayo. I just think Mayo weren't aware enough of it. Um, and I think that, you know, Ballyuffe is tight enough when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to those kickouts. And I think uh, Morgan will have to think a little bit more about it. Uh, I was really surprised how, how much Donegal pressurised his kickouts, how much they pushed up, um, regardless if it, was, if it was from play or whatever. They really pushed up, they really put pressure on them, and they won the majority of... Uh, of the kickouts that that he was forced to kick long, uh, and actually on the other side, um, Tyrone just gave Donegal the kickouts a lot of the time. Uh, okay, they pushed up towards the end when they sort of needed to, but um, for the first 45 50 minutes of the game, uh, Tyrone just let uh, Donegal have it. Uh, that might be another switch that that could happen at the weekend. It's this, I don't want to simplify it too much, but Donegal or Tyrone are. are are really small around the middle of the field. They don't have that height and the presence that the likes of Donegal, the likes of Donegal have. And to be honest, uh, Mayo are not as big in that department as they once were either. So uh, I think I, I think that's why uh, Tron got a lot of success from their own kickouts last week. But I, I can't see that happening in, in Ballyboe Fair. The, the week before a championship, the, the week before a championship starts, lads. What, what's it like? What's it like to be a player the week before championship starts? It's absolute heaven. It's 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 brilliant. You just you sit back and enjoy it because you know all the hard work's done, um, and there's just a little bit of fine tuning. Uh, I hate it hard. The hard stuff. I hate the 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 <laughs> the dog the dogging sessions and all. I hated that. But um, but when it came to championship week, it was all worth it because. As I say, you are. Um, you knew it was Championship Week. There was just that little bit of a different buzz around. 
boys were bouncing into the change rooms. There's just a different feel about it. They can't bounce into the change rooms. Bounce into the stand or the marquee beside the <laughs> thing at this stage. But uh, there's just a whole different feel about it. And uh, as I say, boys just, the, the attitude just switches completely. Um, and I suppose maybe not as different this time around because games have been coming sort of thick and fast. But normally when we play a championship, we're after waiting four or five weeks in order to get at it. So you've got a base of maybe three or four weeks of tough stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a, a claim down before the actual match. But uh, you just, you feel so good before because you're, as I say, you're after doing all that work and you just feel quicker, faster, stronger, fitter. And uh, you just can't wait for the weekend, you know. Get yeah, I, th- I think it's a it's a funny one this year with the, the all the change. Um, you know, I suppose there's there's more at stake now with with it being knockout and everything. So I'd imagine that would bring on different different feelings for players. Um, you know, pe- people in management and teams may argue that 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 should be the way all the time. But um, I think the subconscious would tell you, you know, that you have another chance. But I suppose it's a bit different now for for teams and their approach. Um. <laughs> And obviously, the, the the winter v summer kind of uh, kind of look at it as well is it, it puts a little bit of a change on it. Um, like my my abiding memory is you know the smell of fresh cut grass and the sunny days and the you know the championship that you kind of you know you really look forward to. Um, but I think there's there's I think it is it does present a new challenge for players. The the preparation time together isn't as isn't as much. Um, and I think look I suppose it's it's. You know, the things like, you know, going down to your local shop and, you know, you're playing Kerry, you know, in the lead up to that week. And, you know, someone says, you know, are you ready for the weekend? You know, it's a, it's a big game for you. You know, you just don't have that because of, you know, the restrictions and, you know, staying at home and not being able to get out in a boat amongst the community as much. And uh, that was something that you definitely feed off and the buzz you'd feed off leading into championship. But um, certainly the, the, the big thing is that nervous energy for me. And it's, it's just that amazing feeling of, you know, as Oshin touched on there, you know, you're ready for it. Um, whatever happens, you're, you're on a, you know, empty the tank and give it your all when you're out there. And um, certainly, you know, there is that nervous energy around, you know, are you going to be playing, you know, um, you know, how well what's are you it like, What's it like not to be picked? Yeah, look, it's, it's tough. Um, I, I've uh, one memory back in 2013, um, I was left out of the team um, against Kerry in a, in a monster, in the monster final down in Clarny and, um, it's not easy. It's certainly not easy. Um, what did you do? What did you do? To say anything? Uh, uh, to be honest, I I, I wasn't. Uh, look, I wasn't performing to 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 the ability I could have been performing at um, in the lead up to it. Um, and you know, rightly so that the management made a decision. Um, I ended up coming on for last twenty minutes, but it was uh, it was something that sat with me. Um, I was lucky enough that I got well enough in that 20 minutes and, and was starting for the rest of the year. But um, it was it was def- definitely a wake-up call. Um, and I think the management made the right decision. But like for guys, that can be a tough thing to, to get your head around. But also you can get a good reaction out of players as well. But um, certainly that excitement and nervous energy about, you know, putting on the, you know, the orange jersey of Armagh or the, the, the red of Cork, you know, it's, um, it's, it's certainly something that there's, there's a great buzz around all the time. Oshin, Oshin, did the management ever made, uh, did you ever believe the management made the right decision in leaving you off or were you ever left off? The, the only year I, did, I wasn't starting every game was 2008. Uh, that was my last year with Arm. <laughs> um, I played, I think, 10 minutes, or maybe 15. What was that like? What was that like? You're like, oh, how'd you find that? Year? Uh, I didn't enjoy it. Um, we'd gone away to. Uh, 
I wouldn't say I was a bit like Kieran. I wouldn't say I was I was playing out of my skin or anything. I only played the last couple of games during the league because uh, we had gone to the 17th of March with with uh, with Cross, and uh, we, I was only in for the last couple of league games. Probably got a half an hour in those, uh, and the, the team had taken a, a I suppose a different direction, um, and then to we went away for a pre-season camp, and uh, I was I was flying. I thought it was in as good a form as I'd ever been in, and I expected to start the first game. And not only did I not start it, but I didn't get any game time whatsoever. And same the next game, and then I was brought on in the Ulster final. But <clears throat> um, it was very frustrating because I felt as if I had still had something to offer. Um, but I, I sort of got the feeling that I wasn't part of the plans. I never said anything. I just I, I let it go. And uh, we were beat by Waxford in an All Ireland quarter final. Um, we took off our. Uh, we needed scores, obviously. Um, we took off our midfielder and brought full back. And uh, when that when that <laughs> when that happened, that completely <laughs> I completely realised how far down the pecking order I was, and I, and I and I left it at that. You know, at the end of the year, um, and that that was okay. It, it extended my my club career, but at the time it was really sick and it was really hard to take. You know, we you're trying to be as upbeat as you can around the camp, but when you when you come home, it's uh, that's when it that's when it really hits you, like you know, and, it, and it's the people around you trying to keep you going and and stuff like that, telling you you're good enough and all those sort of things. But it's hollow because you know, in your heart of hearts, if you're good enough, you'd be playing, and and uh, and so that was. That was a tough year, but that was the only time I, I didn't I didn't start a championship match with Armagh. It was that two, 2008 year. So Armagh played Derry in the Ulster quarterfinal this Sunday at four o'clock. Um, I think it's live on BBC Northern Ireland. And would you... Is there a bit of you really just wants to be still playing or are you done in your head? No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I, that... I'm not saying you're going to get a late call or anything. <laughs> no. no, that... Uh, that particular feeling left me after a couple of years and to be honest when I when I left I, I knew it was I knew it was ready to leave but also I knew that my time was up and the only thing I missed whenever I left was championship days I didn't miss the training didn't miss the league didn't miss anything like that I remember walking in I was walking uh, with BBC on the first uh, first in 2009 the first championship match and I walked in and I missed it and the same the following year, I missed it. But then after that, you know, you sort of you sort of accept it. And I'm so far away from that now, but uh, I'm so worried about this game. Yeah. So worried about it because I'm a Division One team and Derry Division Three team, and there's nowhere near that gulf between the two teams. Um, and the strange thing is that in if you had to, if you had to give me this game when it was initially due to be played, I would be more confident with Armagh winning. I think that Rory Gallagher's got a little bit more out of this team. I think they're very unlucky that they weren't promoted because the night they played down was a game that they should have won the league. Um, their team going in the right direction with some great young lads um, like McFall around the middle, uh, O'Loughlin or McLaughlin. Lachlan up front and uh, and Shane McGuigan's one of the best forwards in Ireland, lads. Shane um, McGuigan was brilliant against yeah. Offaly last Sunday. Absolutely Very good. Brilliant. Yeah. And you know what I'll tell you, Paul? Uh, he played two years ago against Tyrone in the Championship in Oma and they played with one forward and he was still brilliant. 
And if you can operate in those conditions against Ronan McNamee yeah. and, and a lot of players around you and they will get no support out from uh you know you're you know he's a player. And I've seen him at, I've seen him at club level, I've seen him excel at club level under the tightest like whenever Derry are playing, you know, you're putting your you're putting your best defender on him, you're putting your best and he has managed to weather that and he's just got more physical, he's got stronger, he's got more accurate. I, the thing I would say to him, I don't know if any is there United fans, but I'm a United fan, and, and um, Mason Greenwood plays with United. Yeah, and I know I'm going off on a slight, ta- slight tangent. Yeah, but he scores. I don't know what his uh, chances to score scoring ratio is, but I know it's very, very, very low. And uh, when Solskjaer was asked after the game last night, he said about how efficient he was. And that's the way I would describe Shane McGuigan. He doesn't need a lot of chances to get. You know, if you're a Dublin forward, you might get 10 chances. You look brilliant if you score five of them. With 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 Derry, if, if he gets 10 chances, he's definitely scoring nine of them. And that's how good he is. Last, last, so I think Derry used, Derry couldn't be promoted last Sunday, the way, the way it worked out because of the head-to-head against Down, the way it had stood. And I think they used last Sunday as a complete dress rehearsal they played awfully in O'Connor Park. They played really, really defensively. They tried to move it quick on the break. And when they were stopped on that, they just patiently recycled. And they were trying to get it to McGuigan, who, who just his, his, his point taken was, was, uh, was, was superb. And it's, it seems to me, did you play against him earlier in the league, Kieran? I didn't play against him. I, I watched the game. I remember the game. Um, and my, my abiding memory is that they, they did set up very defensively as well against us um, and actually defended quite well for the best part of the game. Um, and like that's that's what's intriguing for me is I, I was very impressed with Armagh against Ross Common in the way they, particularly the first half and the way they went about attacking the game. Um, it'll be an interesting um, battle, I think, between the two because I know Armagh try to penetrate um, and aim for that kind of D area, that scoring zone. But Derry seemed to cover that off pretty well. Um, so again, it might come back to Armagh point, point scoring from, from distance um, like they did in that first half against Roscommon, but equally tightening up in defence um, to give them the best chance there, I think. And last Sunday, or last weekend, Clare, Armagh went to Clare um, 10 minutes left is level and you had been fairly bullish Oshin, before the game that this would be uh, you know fine but were you a little bit nervous in the last 10 minutes and do you think do you think Armagh do you think Armagh can go how far can Armagh go in this championship? Well <clears throat> they're in the tough side of the draw yeah. you know whoever wins on on Sunday with Armagh and Derry play at Tyrone or, or Donegal and that uh, makes it very very tough for either of those teams but I don't think either team will be looking any further than uh, what's in front of them? Armagh got their first game win in Ulster in uh, five or six years last year, and um, that I thought that that would have kicked them all maybe to the next level. But the thing about Clare last week um, was that when the game was level, that's a game that notoriously over the last four odd years we've lost, and that has stopped us making that jump into Division One. But when it when it went level, Armagh controlled the game for the last. 10 minutes I thought I thought they took a lot of the right options and I thought as poor as we have been at the back I thought we we, we looked a little bit better um, at the back than we have done um, we're still susceptible to the high ball um, you know we give away another another bad goal from that um, and that has been a recurring team but um, 
I would say that the, the thing I took out of last weekend, the, the biggest thing I took out of last weekend was when the game was there to be won, Armagh stood up and won the game. And that was, I think, as much as, as these lads maybe could have uh, taken out of the game. Plus the fact can they win the Can they win the Ulster Championship? At a push, they can win the Ulster Championship. At a push. I think it's important uh, that they, they just get through next weekend and then one massive performance. And there's nothing in the other side of the draw that would that would that would scare me that much. We beat Monaghan last year in, in the back door, so uh, there's nothing would scare me in the other side of the draw. It just takes I think it takes it takes dogging it out this weekend and one massive big performance against uh, Donegal or Tyrone if we win this weekend. The other match that's on in the Ulster Championship next weekend is actually on Saturday at quarter past one. It's the first round in the championship. Monaghan against Cavan. Cavan against Mead looked, they looked okay, but only okay. And what is happening with Cavan? Relegated to Division 3. What has happened to these young players who were coming through, you know, successful underage teams? How are Cavan in Division 3? I think, I think they were unlucky enough to end up where they ended up. But having said that, I seen Armagh play Calvin the first round of the league, and Armagh absolutely blew them away. I don't know if it was, I think it might have been seventeen or eighteen points, and uh, and I would I would have said at that stage Calvin will be relegated out of sight, and the next day they go out and and they pick up the next I think the next three games to pick up uh, three wins, and um, that gives you a bit of an idea of how. Um, how Jekyll and Hyde Calvin have been. And, uh, you know, when they went to Division 1, they looked competitive on certain weekends and looked way off the pace on other weekends. And uh, I think that's the way it's been this year. But I think they were slightly unlucky uh, to go down uh, on this occasion. I think they are uh, a reasonably decent Division 2 team. I think they're a team that are, again, in transition. Even though we, we said this about them about three years ago, that they were in transition as well. I still think they're in that uh, transition. Yes, they turned around last year and absolutely blew Monaghan away in the championship. Blew them away. Um, completely controlled the game. Um, and this will be a game that they will be... Uh, I think this is a game, realistically, that Mickey Graham will have earmarked and and, uh, and it would not surprise me in the least if they were beat Monaghan at the weekend. Monaghan are obviously favourites, but... It wouldn't surprise me if there would be the beat Monon. I'm not saying they will. Um, so they'll be coming back to me next week and saying you said Calvin would beat Monon. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that uh, none of it matters. People have no idea about the I was gonna say rivalry, but I will I'll, I'll push it to hatred between Calvin and Monaghan when it comes to that derby. Why? Why why is I don't it so know. Right? It's just it's yeah. ferocious. It's absolutely ferocious. I mean like there, so parts like obviously certain parts are so intertwining, and yeah. uh, you know the the modern uh, cabin thing. You know, there's a lot of businesses around modern, a lot of cabin people, and vice versa. And I don't know what it is. It's just they're just they're just notoriously have hated each other for years, and uh, and and even though there's a new breed of of footballers that come along, that 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 is the one thing that's been constant. It hasn't changed. I couldn't believe it. I I could not believe it until. Like I was at that game last year, and and you know the intensity of it, and and 
how Calvin enjoyed beating Mullen last year. So. In the crowd as well? Was it in the crowd as oh, well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. More so in the crowd than anywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's, uh, it is, it's, it's hatred, but, but it's, it's, it's exactly what you want from a, from a, from a local derby. A real championship match. Kieran, the Munster Football Championship also starts on uh, next weekend, Saturday evening, Waterford play Limerick. And on Sunday, Tipperary play Clare. If you're, as a Cork footballer, when you, go out to play against four those any of those four counties what are you thinking I think that's changed an awful lot I, I'd imagine the thinking previously and the perception around was that you know um, it's Cork Kerry Munster football that's it um, but I, I feel like it's certainly changed particularly over the last um, five six years I think Claire Claire in particular have, have really got things together Colin Collins I think have, has really kind of gave him a direction and gave him a strategy and a focus around how they want to play their football um, I think even just watching I only I only got the highlights of, of Claire and Armagh last week but some of the players um, you know the likes of Cleary um, you've Gary Brennan and Podge Collins who are after coming back into the squad as well who are you know really giving a bit more strength and depth there as well um, and I certainly think it's, it's going to be a great game of football I think Tip as well um, extremely strong. We we played them in the league this year, and just about by the skin of our teeth, got over them um, by a point. Um, and that's without without Quinlevin in the in the in the side as well. So um, I think it's going to be a great game of football. Um, and it's certainly it's certainly it's Ooh, certainly changed. Uh, I think Tipperary might edge it, but I think it's going to be very very close. Um, but it's it's certainly changed things in relation to how you see um, monster football I think it's it's not it's not just Cork and Kerry now um, I think there's there's very strong teams and and even when you look at Limerick Limerick beat us in the McGrath Cup this year in the McGrath Cup final um, very well organised very strong side led by Ian Corbett at centre back who was just up and down the field all day big strong presence and some really kind of speedy forwards <coughs> as well so um I, I expect Limerick to get over Wadford, um, but I do expect Tip to slightly edge out Clare as well. It, it's in what Wadford's interesting for, like it's obviously Hurling is exceptionally strong there, and a lot of the footballers end up people brick walls end up playing playing Hurling, but they're really good footballers. There's a really strong football area in 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 Wadford too, which is given to the game, uh, and it is interesting in these Hurling counties so-called, where there are pockets of football and strong pockets of football trying to burst out. And Tipperary, I think Tipperary have gone back a bit from where they were three or four years ago, but they have a lot of good players. Limerick, this, with the size and scope of, of, of Limerick, it's, it's surprising that Limerick don't produce more competitive football teams over the years. Yeah, like when, when I look back at our toughest game, one of our toughest games that we got over back in, in 2010 was a qualifier against Limerick up in the Gaelic grounds, went to extra time. We won by a pint in the end. Um, and they just had, they had so much talent within that team in particular. Um, I had the likes of John Galvin and, and, and these fellas were around that time and they were kind of really driving Limerick football. Um, but I certainly think that just noticeably, you now I was away for six years, albeit, but noticeably this year when we played them in the McGrath Cup, I thought they were very well organised, very well drilled than what I saw from previous years. Um, but absolutely, and even when you look at the likes of Waterford, like they'd certainly have a strong, strong footballing areas. Um, I think it's, I think it's a, a cultural thing, Paul, to be honest with you, and it's just trying to 
really start to get things going there. How you go about that's a, a, another day to, day's conversation. But um, I certainly think the talent is there um, through, through Limerick and Waterford. The If we take it though, Cork and Kerry, and we're going to have um, a big show on the Cork and Kerry Munster semi-final um, next uh, weekend where we'll be getting a few lads in to get stuck into you, Kieran. But the... the <laughs> The other side of the draw, there's a massive opportunity to get to a Munster final here for Tip, Clare, Waterford and Limerick. In a, in a word, which of the four counties is, is is going to make it there, lads? Clare for me. I think Tip. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be Clare as well. Um, now, the Leinster Football Championship, the one you've been dying to talk about, three matches, Sunday afternoon, all on at 1.30, all on GAA Go for streaming. Loud v Longford in Mullingar, Offaly v Carlo in the Maracanã in Tullamore, uh, Wexford v Wicklow in Wexford. So, if we start with Loud and Longford, Loud, uh, Longford, Loud are amazing. So Loud, Loud go, don't win a match in Division Four, go down to Cork and get basically completely rumbled, and then beat down last Sunday. What, 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 how, how, how is that explained? Uh, I would say that they are the male of the lower tiers. Uh, you just know, you just know what's coming from one week to the to the next. But like, I, I'm right on the border. The in-laws are from Louth, um, and I've been managing DKIT for the last ten years. Um, we've had. Uh, as much success as we've ever had there, um, as far as like the likes of Trench Cup and 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 Division Two, um, colleges football. But the thing I would notice is that when those guys play with uh, DKIT, that I think they're as good as any of the other top players that I have. All star now, like Ryan O'Neill's, the Neil Cairns's, the um. Like you look at Samuel Roy, you know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, <clears throat> he's a guy who has just kicked things on to the next level. And from from a personal point of view, I think that there are a lot of good players in Louth, and I think that they're not getting enough out of those players. I'm, I, and this is this is in case people think I'm having a go at management. That's not a management issue. First of all, it's players putting themselves out there and putting themselves forward. That's that's the first thing, but also the structure. Um, with which uh, with which Loud have had over the last number of years, there's a there's a, a plan being put together in Loud at the moment. Um, I know some of the guys were involved in it, and it will be a proper plan. And uh, expect Loud in the next uh, seven eight seven eight years uh, to to kick on big time. Uh, there's a stadium which has already been started. That's going to be a massive part of it. Brilliant um, training facilities. Yeah, brilliant training facilities, um, but also hugely talented players. Yes. Hugely talented players. GA is now, uh, I think, more to the forefront than it ever was. Drahada, Dundalk, they're always known as soccer towns. They're not soccer towns anymore. There's there's uh, there's huge success going on, you know, at, at, cl- at club level and all those sort of things. They can hold their own when it comes to Leinster Club Championship at senior level. And, you know, you look at uh, junior level and, and intermediate, they've done well over the last couple of years as well. So uh, the players are there. Um, it's just a matter of harnessing the, the, the talent that's there and bringing them on. And 
there's the work that's being done coaching wise. They, they have as good a coaching structure as anybody. Um, it's just uh, the retention of those players when they get to a certain age is, is key for them. But uh, this is a game that at the weekend again, you wouldn't say it with any confidence, but I would expect Loud to win this game. Do, would you really, Kieran? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm a bit up in the air on this one. Um, I, I like I've obviously seen Loud. I watched Loud quite closely um, last or two weeks ago against Cork. Um, and was disappointing, but I was flabbergasted by the result um, against Stone, to be honest, um, which, which, which is a credit to that team. Um, I would see Longford as more of a threat, um, I, and I would slightly tip Longford here, um, but that's, again, very narrowly. Um, I think, to echo what O'Sheen's saying, I think there is a conveyor belt of talent in load um, and backed up by, you know, going to the likes of the DCUs and DITs and that as well, a lot of those guys would be going through through those football academies as such, if you'd like to call them, um, playing at a really high level um, and in Drahada as well, like, you know. So I, I, I just think that Loud, albeit have plenty of talent um, on the way through, I, I still think that Longford at the moment currently might just edge this one. Uh, Kieran will know Casey Bourne and Casey Bourne should be having the simil- a similar effect on Loud that uh, McKenna is having on Tyrone. Uh, obviously, he's picked up a couple of injuries and that's uh, meant that his, uh, his involvement has been curtailed. But even next year or the year after, I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't have this, a similar effect, as I say, to what Conor McKenna has had on his return to Tyrone. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll just make one point on that in relation to, I suppose, the transition back. There was um, a few questions, like I just noticed kind of in the last week off the back of Connor about, you know, the transition back and, and, and being able to play. But uh, having an impacted career based on injury, you look at the likes of Tommy Walsh at Kerry, um, his time in Sydney and St. Kilda, you look at Kieran's time in Carrollton, Kieran Burns' time in Carrollton, you look at. Um, but then on the flip side of that, you look at Ty Kennelly who came back in 2009, won All-Ireland. But the, the the overriding team of people that come back and are successful, for example, Conor McKenna, Ty Kennelly, Zach Tui, when he came home, seemed to be right up at the pace. They were playing consistently over in the AFL, consistently ru- playing games, not getting injured, no interruptions. And their transition back seemed a lot more seamless than... You know, the likes of Kieran Byrne or Tommy Walsh, you know, who might have ran into a few injuries throughout their career. And that transition just seemed a little bit more difficult. Um, whether it's a mindset thing as well on top of it, um, that's that's something that you, you'd have to ask the individual. But I do think for the likes of McKenna, Kennelly, who were playing consistently, that that transition back um, made it easier. Good point. I think, um, I, think, I think Longford might shade it. I think they're a really solid well-organised team with some very, very good footballers. They're really united and the weather is not going to be great. I think that Mullingar is a really interesting place to play football. Uh, it's tight and I, I think Longford might squeeze it. Wexford v Wicklow. Wicklow promoted for from Division 4, went to Wexford last weekend, won a crucial match. Will they do it again? I, I, would, I would be surprised if they can back it up, to be honest with you. I, I think Wicklow did look very impressive, but I just think it's a very hard thing to do to go back and play and and you know in Wexford um, and beat them again. I, I I just think it's a huge challenge for him. Um, 
I think the likes of, of Ben Brosman and, and Dahi Waters, for example, at midfield, they haven't really got going yet. I think they're building and I think Wexford might get over Wicklow on this on this one. Yeah, there's not there doesn't seem to be a lot to separate these te- two teams. Uh conditions were absolutely horrendous last week. Rangers. So yeah, so they could be very, very similar this weekend, but um there's not a lot between them. And this could be the this could be our first penalty uh our first penalty shoot out of the championship, something like that. That it just has all the hallmarks of something like that to, to, to separate these teams because as I say there's not a, a big pie between them but Wicklow um, to do what they did since they come back over the last couple of weekends uh, shows they have something about them so uh, but again it's it's toss of a coin job maybe penalties this, These penalties um, Tyrone VR Ma you're, you're playing are you fancying a penalty? Uh, oh yeah, well I'd definitely take a penalty Whether it's scored or not is another thing completely But I'd definitely put my hand up to take one No questions No questions well, Would lads let you take one? Well I was the penalty taker anyway so <laughs> I'm probably <laughs> <laughs> Kieran, what do you think? Uh, I beat Conor McKenna's attitude I think uh, I've been taking an oval ball for the last six years so I don't know I, I wouldn't really back myself in uh, I'd, I'd leave it to the lads who've been kicking a round ball for the last number of years yeah, um, Tullamore saw on, on Sunday at half one, uh, Offaly v Carlo. Um, entirely, uh, <laughs> you can you can start, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I'll start this one. I'll start this one. So, um, I saw Carlo in 2018 play Kildare in O'Connor Park on a Saturday afternoon, and they gave a tactical masterclass. They sucked Kildare in, they got pressure on all of Kildare's famous weak points, and they hit them on break and they scored, they, they, they won comfortably. And they look like a real team, really well organised, pretty defensive, but getting the most of runners up the field. They've obviously gone back since then. Turk O'Brien is now gone. I think Carlo are not what they were in their back down. Really unlucky to have been back down in Division 4 after the 2019 campaign, but um, are stuck in the middle of Division 4. I think Offaly are a little bit better uh, than Carlo. I think um, I think Offaly should have, should have too much um, for Carlo. But again, that's... Uh, that's an entirely parochial parochial view on it. We we played awfully um, in our first game of the league this year, um, yeah. and I played in that game myself, and and we certainly found that they were hard to break down, um, and we didn't really get away from awfully until probably five or ten minutes into the second half, um, and I think I think awfully. Uh, are very organised, to be honest with you. Uh, I think their their fitness maybe let them down towards the end of that game. Um, and I think we we kind of made a couple of substitutions. We had a, probably a bit more depth, um, brought guys on in fresh legs. But I certainly was impressed with Offaly um, in that game. Um, I thought they were... I thought even last week, uh, they had a man sent off with, with 10 minutes to go. Um, yeah. And they were still kind of hanging in there. You know, I think there's a bit of grit about the team as well. Um so I like I, I do think I, I don't know a whole pile about Carlo. Um but I, I, I do think just from, from what I've seen in Offaly and a small bit of what I've seen in Carlo, I, I think Offaly might might take it all right. Well before uh, before I ask you about that, Oshin, the, the what I will say about Offaly is that I think Offaly's fitness is actually quite good. I think it's very good actually. I think where Offaly have lacked certainly in the early stages of the league, they really lack lack depth in the panel. And mm. when other teams are cork and bring on a whole fleet of players Offaly did not have that in, in the league and they went down they had a couple of black cards I think that day which, which really hurt them but I agree that they're very well organised I think John Mon has done an excellent job 
uh, with Offaly, and I, I, I think they'll go ahead and, and play Kildare. Roisin? Yeah, no, something similar, lads. Um, I think uh, I watched Armagh play Offaly last year, and I was impressed with Offaly for 45 minutes of the game. Um, I think that the, they definitely look as if they have opted a little bit this year. <clears throat> they look pretty well organised to me. Uh, and you talk about uh, what they have to bring off the bench. My old golfing buddy, uh, McNamee, is coming off, coming off the bench and, and producing the goods. And it's amazing what that can do for a team, you know, with, with uh, 15, 20 minutes to go. Uh, somebody who has the ability to come on and kick four or five points for you and get you over the lane. Uh, Carlo is still very heavily reliant on, on Broderick's, uh, yeah. not just from play, but from, especially from uh, free kicks as well. And I think if Offaly were to clamp him down, that uh, I don't know where the scores are going to come from for, for Carlo. The, the last match of the weekend, then, the last of nine matches. So nine counties leave the championship this weekend. Um, unlike the Hurland Championship, where you know, it's there's a team lost last weekend. A couple of teams, four teams will lose this weekend. They stay in the championship, the football championship. I mean, I don't know many chances the hurlers want, like, but uh, it just shows <laughs> you like football has taken over from hurling big time in all of the stakes, entertainment stakes, etc. Well, it's it's this shooting, Kieran. What do you think of this hurling? These lads shooting from from everywhere and no one going for goals. Uh, yeah, I've, I've I've grown up watching the the monster champ the hurling monster championship as well. Um, yeah, look, I, I I always loved from a personal point of view loved the high scoring games, but um, yeah, look, I don't know, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting one. Um, the the football, as I said, is definitely taking over. I think it's it's edging the hurling out at the moment slightly. Somebody wrote an article during the week about uh, Bryson the compa- comparing the, the hurling to Bryson the shamble and. How uh, he is as overpower, <laughs> overpowered the golf game, and it's a little bit that, like that. It's got very boring hurling, hasn't it? Well, we're, well, well I think we have, to, we have to see what Anthony has to say. Uh, see about Larry. Larry's very upset here on the side. <laughs> Larry, of course, is um, you asked about the Man United fans, uh, Oshin, earlier, and I'm uh, also a Man United fan, and it appears that Larry is one as well, if I read correctly what he uh, what he said earlier at the last match of the weekend, Leitrim and Mayo. Leitrim put it up to Tipperary for a long time last weekend in a crucial Division 3 relegation match, but they fell away at the end. They have also improved. They're back down to Division 4, but they are a better team than they were for, for, for several years. Nonetheless, you'd expect Mayo to come through. And can Mayo, on the strength of what you've seen, can Mayo win the All-Ireland? The eternal question that must be asked. Um, I... I... I definitely think Mayo can win the All Ireland, yeah. Um, and uh, this year, this year, this year, um, I think, I think obviously that they have to get their ducks in order in relation to the consistency, the age old kind of thing you talk about, talk about Mayo and and and, and being consistent. But the, the 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 players they have, the the depth they have in their squad, the you can see the game style they're trying to to get right. Um, to compete with the likes of Dublin and you can see that they're playing that game style with one eye on All-Ireland semi-final, All-Ireland final stage. Um, I just think they need to bring it together. Um, I think the knockout will suit them. I think the knockout championship will suit them. I think if they get a slight bit of a run, I think they, they'll carry serious momentum into the championship. I, I think they've improved so much up front. 
I think uh, young Conroy gives him an extra little bit. Of, uh, yeah, he gives him an extra little bit. Uh, Darren Cohen off the bench. So they have they have plenty of options up front. I just think on the Aidan O'Shea thing, you know, we talked about it last week. I think uh, when somebody looks him in the eye and said, says stick or twist, they need to stick because it only takes one or two balls for Aidan O'Shea, you know, to get a bit of success in there. Last week was to me was was pretty simple in that. Um, Ronan McNamee just had his number. You know what I mean? He was just he was just, he was just he was just quicker to the ball, all those sort of things. But the great thing as a forward is like if you st- if you get one ball and stick it in the net, nobody remembers how good McNamee was. You know what I mean? And that's why bringing him out into the middle of the field just for me just shows a slight bit of weakness again. And uh, I can understand why they've done it because you're not going to watch somebody in there for 50 minutes and not get his hands in any ball. But I just think that they need, you know, that's something if they're going to win all Ireland that they need to persist. But I don't think Aidan O'Shea, I think there's two things with Aidan O'Shea. I don't think he he would have the wherewithal in Cook Park to, to get up and down the pitch anymore. And I think the other thing about it was that he is such a danger. Uh, but if you look at the difference between the ball they played when, when they played against Galway, Last weekend, they were just putting it in. It was like old school, yes. just let's hoof it in mm. and let's see what comes of it. When he did come out, you know, the the, the, the quicker boys and say got a little bit more success as well. So, um, But I just think that if, if Mayo are going to win in All-Ireland, then defensively, you know, they need to have a, a bit more of a plan than, the, than they had at the start of the game last week. You could see from very early on, it was going to be very open and uh, and Trone were getting on top of them and they didn't react quick enough. You know, and do all they needed to do was clamp it down to half time, and they couldn't even they couldn't even see it out to half time. And you know, by the time half time came, even though they made a brilliant comeback, you know the game was realistically over. They were missing Killian O'Connor as well, um. So they have the wherewithal to to, to definitely hit the latter stages. Can they win the All Ireland? Well, it would be just so Mayo to win the All Ireland with no fans and and uh, and. Uh, Christmas time. I mean, can you think of anything? You know, I know people have said that before, but can you think of anything more male for them to do? But uh, they have the wherewithal if they, as Kieran says, just get them ducks in a row. Can I? Can, I, can we just talk about that? The Aidan O'Shea uh, the full forward position in relation to, and O'Shea knew more, no more than anyone else. But in relation to that mixing, mixing that high ball with that low ball, like, like Aidan O'Shea is a versatile player and he's dangerous close to goal. Like if that little pop ball is given to him, he'll do damage. If that high ball is given to him, he'll do damage. But as you said there, consistently giving high ball isn't going to work. Um, the importance of kind of mixing that low ball into high ball, it puts doubts in a full back, whether he, you know, plays him from the front, plays him from behind, you know, what what's the next ball going to look like? I think I think that's that's crucial in Mayo's game plan, uh, and how how they how they approach the championship, how they approach Leitrim, and you know if they get over Leitrim, the rest of the Connacht championship and moving forward. But I think that's crucial to it, um, and you can't underestimate the impact of of mixing that up. And I think it it actually, I don't know, I, I think they just need to utilize that Aidan O'Shea role to the best of their ability. I think people are starting to notice it. But um, consistently hammering the ball in high just isn't going to work. I think a, a week w- uh, with Andy Moore would do him absolutely no harm because uh, Aidan O'Shea, when Aidan O'Shea makes the runs, he, w- he wants the ball all the time. If you're a, if you're a full forward, yes, we are selfish individuals by nature. But he, sometimes you just get out of the way for, to give somebody yeah. else that little bit of space. And uh, if he if he can add that to his game, and look at 
it's it seems to be early early in the process. So he has the opportunity. He seems like an intelligent footballer. Like he played all most of his underage game at eleven and four. All underage football at eleven and fourteen. So uh, he should know enough about it. But I suppose just you know exactly what Kieran says. You know. If you're a full forward, just because you're big, it doesn't mean you want the ball in the top of your head all the time. You know what I mean? You got to mix it up, and if you mix it up, then it keeps the it keeps the defenders guessing. But just the sort of stuff that Andy, if he could add the sort of stuff that Andy Moore did later in his career, uh, like Andy Moore will tell you, he he wasn't getting any quicker as you went on, but his runs were very intelligent. He was getting on the ball all the time. So, I mean, that's the key for uh, that's the key for for Aidan O'Shea and for Mayo from here. There are two, two other observations about Mayo from the weekend. The first is that they didn't seem to be ready for Tyrone playing as far up the field as Tyrone played in the first half. They seemed to be surprised about this and Kevin McLaughlin was centre-back. You wonder whether they expected Tyrone to be much more defensive, number one. Number two, the kickouts cost them again with a goal and a turnover <clears throat> and other things going wrong. And I felt sorry for David Clark, actually. It seemed to me if you the comparison between the Galway match the previous weekend where every Mayo player wanted the ball all the time, and in this in the certainly in the first half against Tyrone the runs did not seem to be being made, and David Clark then got hesitant on the kick out and he did what so many goalies do when a kick out goes wrong he didn't fully commit to the kick and hit it hard he soft pedaled it and he got picked off, and so I I. The point I make is that Mayo seemed to go back into their shell a little bit in terms of the, the exuberance that they played with the previous weekend. And that was not a, that's not a good sign. That's mental for me. It's been mental for with Mayo for a while, but that's mental. Uh, like people say, winning uh, makes you soft. But it also maybe... Uh, you think going into the next game that maybe you don't have to make the same runs as the last time. Maybe you think you're better than you are. And I think, you know, that for me last week, last weekend, you're right. When he looked up, the options were very, very poor. You look at the the wide camera angle from behind the goals yeah. and you look at, I know when you, we only get seen very few of them, but you look at any of them and you look at the movement, you look at the comparison with the movement uh, in the goal, goal game, it just wasn't there. I mean, he had so many options in the goal game and, uh, very few at the weekend and that's why he became hesitant and that's why his teammates did him no favours whatsoever uh, last weekend and just even that awareness of you know front foot especially for those kickouts you know not rocking back in your heels and a simple little thing that got cost him uh, for McKenna's goal that's why they were turned over and that's why McKenna stuck the ball in the net and at the end of the day that cost him the Division 1 status just that one incident and that's it. So, championship. Uh, we should mention, by the way, Kerry win the national league. Is that does that does does that matter? Beyond the actual winning of the league itself, is it a key milestone for Kerry in in reclaiming Sam? I I don't think it would be from their perspective. I don't think that's that's the the aim for them. I think they've their their eye clearly on on Sam. Um, I do think in relation to what they've been able to get from, from the league and playing the, the quality of teams they've played and the way they have played, I think they've found out an awful lot about, again, we talked about depth of, of a squad, but they've, they've found a couple of really new, um, I suppose, really good new players, um, like the likes of Brosnan um, and these lads that have kind of just almost just popped up out of nowhere, um, probably off the back of uh, James O'Donoghue and, and Paul Ganey and these lads, you know, having a few injury concerns. But 
I think in relation to to the the league itself, I think you could even see by the way uh, Clifford lifted the, the trophy. Um, I think that might have been the fact that there was no fans running as well, but like gave a kind of bit of a cheeky smile. But um, I think it's uh, I think it's 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 just another game uh, in in order to to I suppose to to prepare for for I suppose Cork firstly, um, but then obviously they're they're they certainly have because of the, the back of previous years have their eye on Sam. Uh, can, can I can I can I go back to Man United for, for yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember. Uh, so you're willing to talk about Man United the day after a five nil victory? I might never be able to mention him the rest of the year. But uh, Louis Van Gaal took over United, and he was given a load of money to spend. He had loads of good forward players, and what he did was he just bung them all into the team and expected there to be chemistry yeah. between them. And I think that's what Peter Keane has changed. And that's what he's found out through the league is that, especially the last two games, is that I'm going to have to sacrifice, you know, a Gini or an O'Donoghue or, or whoever um, in order to make room, Spillane, or, uh, in order to make room for... Darren uh, and, 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 yeah, yes, and, and Ronan Buckley. Ronan Buckley, yeah. Yeah, boys who are, who are going to um, buy into exactly what I want them to do because they have those attributes that are different to X, Y, and Z. And and for me, uh, that's the biggest change I've seen in Kerry the last couple of weeks is that um, just because you've got all these brilliant forwards, you just don't bung them in and expect you know that to work for you. They're playing a different style and they've got to adapt to, this, to that style. And Peter Keane has a lot of tough calls to make over the next couple of weeks with, with certain individuals because if that's the way he wants to play then there's only certain players can play the roles that uh, he wants them to play We'll be talking more about Kerry next week and uh, about Cork uh, and about Dublin Westmead out the following weekend as well and all the rest of the uh, the championship matches thanks a million lads and thanks also to uh, to Renault for sponsoring the show see you next week Thanks Paul Peace Paul With Renault official car partner of the GAA taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.